Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Guardian. I received my first computer when I was around 14, and even then we had to wait for internet. So as soon as I started playing, slowly, slowly I got together with his group of friends from his town, and that's how the whole thing started. This is Attila Fraunholz. He met his best friend through a video game. We met randomly, so we did not plan on hanging out or anything. We just we were playing our own games, and somehow we both ended up uh, needing a team to work together because in most of these online games you can't really achieve things alone. I didn't even meet him first. I, I started playing with his friends, and they introduced me to him through another game. So how long have you been friends now? I think it's over 10 years now. After about a year of playing and talking online, Huri invited Attila to come and visit, so the friends could finally meet face to face. It was far from a simple journey. It is a good few hours by train, so it would be a couple of changes, like two changes on the bus, and then you could get there in four hours. Four hours? Yes, because Hungary is a quite small country. You don't really get used to traveling big distances. So back in the days when I was 16, for me it was a big thing to get on a bus, get off, get on another one and travel for hours. How did your parents react? It was a small country and these whole computer games weren't like that popular yet. Mostly my generation was playing with it. So everyone who I met online were either the same age as me or just slightly older. So they felt good about that. I, at least I can't meet like very different people. Okay, so they because they thought games were just for young people, they weren't worried about you meeting like a predator or anything. They thought, oh, this is just a thing for kids. Like If it would happen now and I would be 16, I don't think they would let me go. But it was way different back then. Attila's parents were able to get to know Huri as the two friends began to visit each other more. Of course, since Attila moved to London five years ago, those trips have become much bigger adventures. It took us a couple of years to get ready for it because he has never flown before. This was his very first trip on a plane. Attila's story sounds unusual, but for people like him, who come from small towns rather than big cities, he says that video games are an opportunity. If you meet someone in person, like a stranger, you don't really know anything about them, you don't know if they like anything you do, but if you meet in a computer game that you both play, then you already know that there is at least one single thing that you are both interested in, so you already have something to talk about. 
regular listeners will know that I also play a lot of video games. I write about them for The Guardian, and I talk about them on the consumer tech television show, The Gadget Show. So when I went to see a talk by Susie Dent, the resident lexicographer for the game show Countdown, and she made a passing unsubstantiated comment that there is an increasing vocabulary gap between kids because of video games, I was disappointed. We've talked before about the argument over whether some video games can be considered to be addictive. Some people think that violent video games encourage violent behaviour. And there's definitely a stereotype that the people who play games are isolated, unsociable loners. But researchers are carefully studying these assumptions and demonstrating the positive impacts that video games can have, from forming friendships like that of Attila and Hurry. What we found in the first study was that people who played a lot of games uh, did not have fewer friends in school than people who did not play a lot of games. And one of the theories, and it's only a theory because it hasn't yet been proven, is that gaming takes a lot of time. And so that makes people have less friends because they don't have the time to put down on friends. So this was not the case here. The people who played a lot and the people who did not play at all or very little had the same amount of friends in school. To scientific research that could help us understand conditions like dementia. What better way to sort of harness the, the power of mobile phones, which everyone plays games on, to sort of crowdsource this uh, data. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. And this week, we're looking into how video games can be a force for good. This is Chips With Everything. So just to let you know, uh, my daughter had to be home from preschool today since she fell over and hit her head. Oh no, is she okay? Yes, yes, she's she's fine. Um, I have arranged for suitable distractions, but just so you know. At the beginning of this podcast, you heard Attila explain how games helped forge a friendship with someone he may never have met in real life. So even if you play games while you're physically alone, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're lonely. And there's research to prove it. Yeah, okay, so my name is Lena Eklund and I'm a lecturer at Uppsala University at the Department for Informatics and Media. In March 2018, Lena and her colleague Sarah Roman published a paper entitled Digital Gaming and Young People's Friendships, a mixed method study of time use and gaming in school. So we contacted a school in a big city area in Sweden, and we surveyed the full cohort of people who started the first year in this upper secondary school. So they were around 15, 16 in Sweden. Their analysis was based on combined data from studies on the topic, most notably a 2017 study titled Do Adolescent Gamers Make Friends Offline? 115 Swedish secondary school students aged between 15 and 17 were surveyed about their social lives three times over one year. And then to complement this data, we also did 10 interviews with young people in the same age who considered themselves to be sort of avid gamers who played a lot of games. And we we sampled these from from a neighbouring school. Lena admits that while their research mostly lined up with her expectations, it did throw up some surprising results. What we found in the first study was that people who played a lot of games uh, did not have fewer friends in school than people who did not play a lot of games. And one of the theories, and it's only a theory because it hasn't yet been proven, is that gaming takes a lot of time. And so that makes people have less friends because they don't have the time to put down on friends. So this was not the case here. 
the people who played a lot and the people who did not play at all or very little had the same amount of friends in school. But what we also saw was people playing a lot did not make friends with each other. However, people who considered themselves to be gamer, and this is the second study, they became friends with other people who considered themselves gamer at the end of the year, however, not in the beginning. And now we can see how digital gaming is also becoming sort of a salient enough leisure activity that it sort of matters for people's social lives. Did you say that it was different for people who just play games versus those who actively consider themselves gamers, whether they make friends with each other? Did you say there was a difference there? Yes, so, so there is a difference. So people who consider themselves to be gamers, uh, they become friends with other people who consider themselves to be gamers. Uh, but we don't see this effect for, say, people, even if they play a lot, if they don't consider themselves to be gamers, we do not see this effect. So it's an identity thing. The stereotype tells us that people who play games are unsociable. Lena's research suggests otherwise, but are people likely to accept that conclusion? So we did this press release with the research, and the headlines were really interesting. So there was a lot of these headlines that said, gamer addicts are not social isolates, which is, of course, not something we were talking about, but these headlines really speak to these assumptions. What we, I, I as a sociology, would call the moral panic that surrounds digital games. What effects do you hope that your research will have? Is there anything you'd like to see happen as a consequence? Yes, I mean, I definitely hope that people in general will get a much better understanding of what video gaming is and how it sort of ties into people's lives in general so that we can make more informed decisions about what people do and sort of how their lives now play out and sort of now that we have this digital technology in sort of every aspect of our lives, sort of the actual consequences of these, that we can make better decisions. And I think gaming is a, can be an extremely rewarding and interesting pastime. It's something that, you know, when, when dealt with correctly, of course, not all aspects of gaming are perhaps fantastic, but I think it's a, it's a pastime, it's a media, and it's definitely here to stay. And there's so many good things about it that we also need to highlight and talk about and sort of in order to make sure that gaming becomes what we want it to be. And games are good for more than making friends. After the break, we'll talk to a game developer whose company received a BAFTA nomination earlier this year for their game that does more than just entertain. It contributes to medical research. So you play as a sea explorer who is on this quest to help locate his uh, father's missing memories. That's the, the kind of narrative. And you sail this little boat and have to navigate your way through a series of mazes and perform a series of challenges throughout these worlds. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. 
Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This Saturday, in The Guardian's Weekend magazine, there's an exclusive interview with America's former First Lady, Michelle Obama. She answers questions from politicians, pop stars and artists, including Miley Cyrus, Katy Perry, Sadiq Khan and a group of school kids. She also talks about the women who inspire her, meeting the Queen, life in the White House and lots more. Pick up The Guardian tomorrow to read the full interview or get it online at theguardian.com. Welcome back to Chips With Everything. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Before the break, London bartender Attila told us how he forged and maintains his friendship with his best friend Huri, despite living hours apart, through online multiplayer video games. We also heard from Professor Lena Eklund about her research that dispelled the notion that video game players tend to be loners. And now we're heading out to sea, virtually anyway. So I've just clicked on the first level and I've got a little map and it says memorize the map and find the checkpoint. Okay, so I've got a little boat and I steer by tapping left and right on the screen and following the map that I memorized, I have made my way to the end. Sea Hero Quest is a mobile game in which players try to navigate a virtual boat in search of sea creatures. I first came across the game when I was a juror for this year's British Academy Games Awards, which took place in April. Sea Hero Quest VR, the virtual reality version of the game, was nominated for a brand new category called Game Beyond Entertainment, for games that, as BAFTA explains, deliver a transformational experience beyond pure entertainment, whether that is to raise awareness through empathy and emotional impact, to engage with real-world problems, or to make the world a better place. But I think it was really smart of BAFTA, I think, to create a category. I guess there's more and more of these games coming through that, you know, do exactly that, that push the boundaries and go beyond entertainment. And um, we were over the moon to be nominated. Um, we did Matthew Hyde is one of the minds behind Sea Hero Quest. He is the co-founder of Glitches, the company that developed the game. And I think there's a bit of sound in the background. Where am I talking to you from today? You are talking to me from our studio, uh, Glitches Studio, which is in uh, Dalston, London. Cool. So if our listeners hear a bit of background noise, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Our producer, Danielle, talked to Matt via Skype. Talk me through the game itself. How do you play it? So you play as a sea explorer who is on this quest to help locate his uh, father's missing memories. That's the, the kind of narrative. And you sail this little boat and have to navigate your way through a series of 
mazes and perform a series of challenges throughout these worlds. And as you navigate and perform these tasks, every single maneuver and navigation decision that you make is tracked and then it's relayed back to the scientist in a kind of a a form of a heat map, I guess. The website for the game says that by playing Sea Hero Quest for only two minutes, you generate the same amount of data scientists would take five hours to collect in similar lab-based research. Matt explains how this is possible. You know, the five hours, I guess, takes the time to sort of recruit participants uh, on the onboarding process of those and the test themselves. So that's, that's where that kind of calculation comes from or what the scientists arrived at. So let's talk about the scientists and the researchers. What have they actually learned from all of this data collected through people playing the game? Already some of the insights that have been sort of revealed are that spatial navigation cap- capabilities uh, begin to sort of decline from the age of earliest age of uh, 19 years old. They found that men and women employ different spatial navigation dis- uh, strategies. So the decisions on making around sort of turning and looking for landmarks and, and turning left and right and all these kind of things. And some of the results they found that in Nordic countries, in Denmark and Finland and Norway, they tend to have the best navigation skills and um, they're looking into performing further analysis into why this might be, whether it's down to diet, education, or even some parts of some of the countries, if it has anything to do with a Viking blood, um, ancestry Viking blood. As I mentioned, Matt and the team have also developed a version of the game to be played in virtual reality, and this is how I experienced the game for the BAFTAs, strapping on a Gear VR and navigating by looking around, rather than just tapping on a screen. So I know how different the two experiences are to the player, but how does playing in VR affect the data that's collected? VR provides a more natural environment for people to navigate and move more freely, close to the real world navigation, a way in which people sort of make decisions from from a data collection it also tracks players movement separately to head orientation subtle sort of intuitive actions such as stopping and looking around can all be captured and provide sort of deeper insights into understanding the the, the cognitive process of behind spatial navigation Earlier in the show, Lena Eklund told us how her research dispels the notion that video game players are unsociable by demonstrating that adolescents who play games have just as many friends as those who don't. And Sea Hero Quest is a clear example of a game with benefits beyond simple entertainment. So why do these negative stereotypes about games persist, despite the evidence to the contrary? In the past, video games have, have been seen as only providing this sort of isolated source of entertainment, I guess, in which you know kids or even myself would lock, lock yourself away in a room and spend hours playing without any social contact in the outside world. And then games in general have a lot of negativity banded about. But, but I think due to kind of more advanced gaming technology and online multiplayers and all these kind of social tools that are being embedded within games these days, people are able to chat and make friends across gaming groups. And it's becoming a huge, larger social thing. Playing games gives us sort of the same feeling as just hanging out together in a pub, because we might not meet personally, but we are still together in the game. 
calling each other and talking or just messaging. We do this sometimes, but that's just that's just not the same. That doesn't give us the same satisfaction as, for example, playing a game while we are at it. And you still play games together? Still play games, yes. Best chance to hang out. I'd like to thank Attila Fraunholtz, Lena Eklund and Matthew Hyde for joining me this week. There'll be a link to Sea Hero Quest and Lena's research in this week's episode description on the Guardian website. If you have any more examples of how video games can be a force for good, send them to me at chipspodcast@theguardian.com or on Twitter at Jerrica Weber. That's J. Erica Weber. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 